I'm Nathan. And I'm Emily. And this is Twice as Less Not Perfect. A messy marriage podcast. We're here to get real with you about the fun and the flaws. The grief and the gratitude. The mirth and the myth of marriage. We all know that partnerships are powerful, but they're also pretty messy. And getting to the good stuff can take a lot of trial and error. So join us while we talk about our mistakes and the lessons we've learned about relationships. So far. Because it's not always perfect. But it's usually worth it. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the podcast about messy things in relationships. Mostly. Yeah, messy. Not like spilling. No, not crumbs. No, not crumbs. Not spilling beer all over your new rug. Which only one of us did. Yeah. And it was definitely one of us. One of us. And definitely not one of us. One of us regularly has crumbs everywhere. And one of us spills beer on the rug. So we all have problems. And, <laughs> and we're here to talk about we're them. We're here to talk about them. But the interesting ones. But not, not those name ones. names. That's <laughs> not right. I think we're here to point fingers and name names. And one of us, let's call them Flemily. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Spilled beer that on the rug. hurts. <laughs> We got it out. It was fine. It was fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Except now everyone knows who gets crumbs everywhere. So I oh, just yeah. outed myself. Schmathan. Uh-huh. Schmathan. Okay. Well, uh, those are just examples of minor issues minor that couples things. might have. And we're but today we're here to talk about big Issues, Red flags, if you will. You might call them red flags. Mm-hmm. In fact, the BuzzFeed article where we found this list <laughs> calls them red flags. That's right. Uh, and it's it's uh, a bunch of therapists that anonymously confided in the, the worst things that they've noticed. Yeah. And the biggest hurdles. Basically, the things that they see in a session when they first meet. A couple coming to therapy that just make them go like, oh, Lord, I oh, have boy. my work cut out for me. These yeah. two are in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Relationship red flags. Mm-hmm. And this is not to say that it means if if you've encountered this in your current relationship uh, or are currently, it's not to say that it's a deal breaker. Right. Some of them feel like they are. Mm-hmm. And others, we're here to tell you we've lived through them and Some we're of them, still here. We still do. Never. From time to time. Not a one. Someone named Flamily. <laughs> is my evil twin <laughs> with a really bad head cold. <laughs> really bad cold. Take some Sudafed, Flamily, my For goodness. Crying out loud. You don't have to be this miserable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's a, a list of these red flags um, that were submitted by these therapists. So the first one is when one person is entirely dependent on the other. So I and I they love this one. like financially and emotionally. And I feel like this is one that maybe we've skirted around. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if we like fully jumped into this one, but I feel like this is definitely something that we, especially early in our marriage, kind of found ourselves dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Dependency. Mm-hmm. Codependency. Codependency. I am proud to say that I have never been 100% dependent emotionally and financially on a partner. Mm. That's, that's, I would say the worst I ever got, and it wasn't with you, was... I would say being 100% emotionally dependent and maybe 78% financially <laughs> dependent. Uh, no, 74. Okay. It was a rough time. Yeah. Yeah. You don't feel like your own person. You, you don't feel like you belong to you. Uh, and your well-being is entirely dependent on what's happening with somebody else, which yeah. is just a terrifying thing. Yeah. And, and I think it's easy to do, especially when you're young and you first get together, there is that sense of like, we're throwing our lot in with each other. You know, the, it's this whole like, two become one, two spirits, two yeah. hearts, one, two souls now become one. One hand, one heart. And nonsense. there's that sort of like feeling like, well, shouldn't we be creating this thing together? And it's like, well, yes, but 
you cannot like rely on that person for everything. And that's like unhealthy for everyone. Like it's really easy to see how if you get used to that on either end, you can become a bit of a tyrant yeah, or become a bit helpless, you know? And, and I can't imagine that's, you know, easy or healthy. Yeah. I mean, as a female, Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I guess I think it it tends to happen a little more with young women, maybe, mm-hmm. of becoming d- dependent on their partner emotionally, especially, and just sort of like giving up their lives, giving up their interests mm-hmm. for the sake of their uh, their significant other, and and it's very it becomes very lonely mm-hmm. uh, because you stop having your own friends and doing your own things, and that you know, can stop right there and just feel kind of icky and all-consuming, or it can go even further and feel really isolating. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a slippery slope if you're with someone who is abusive, too, because mm-hmm. that's a great opportunity to manipulate you and isolate yeah. you from, yeah. f- from the rest of your world. And would you say that that's something that is a slippery slope, like that kind of happens gradually or something that kind of can come in pretty quickly. I I think there's a precedent set early on mm. for codependency. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Agreed. if it's not if certain boundaries aren't adhered to uh or or maintained. And we'll talk about this a little later too because I think there's another one that talks about this, but I think it's really easy to just sort of throw everything that you once knew out the window and just be all in with someone else. And if if you're the partner who um you know whose significant other does that for you without you know just without without even talking about it or it seeming like a sacrifice it's probably pretty easy to let that happen or or even notice that it's really happening yeah. right because someone being interested in you and interested in the things you are doing and wanting to be involved and all of those things it feels very like oh great like this person's so into me, and I think, or it, it, this person thinks exactly like I do. Wow, and loves how everything amazing. I love. And, we really are meant to be together, yeah. and and I yeah. am guilty of just like adopting my partner's interests and everything, and and so seamlessly mm-hmm. that it doesn't come across as a sacrifice to the other person. Would you say? Yeah, yeah, this happened to us <laughs> big time. Yeah, I'm, and, yeah, and in in strange ways, it happens with. Music and movies and things you do for entertainment, things you don't do, food you like, food you don't like. Right. It can become very, very subtle. Yeah. But all encompassing. And if the all encompassing, yes, because all those little things make a huge difference. It's Mm -hmm. like these micro adjustments that uh, women, especially, but uh, but all people can make. Um, And and there's this tendency to do that in relationships. And and yeah, and and if the relationship is expected to last, yeah, <laughs> then at some point someone's gonna just go. You know what? I really don't like the Marvel movies. I just, right. I, you know what? Guess what? I really hate those movies. Exactly. And I never told you. And I resent the <laughs> hell out of you for making me watch all those movies, even though I never oh, told and you. And then you are like appalled, <laughs> and offended. you're like, oh my gosh, I, I. Thought you loved those. I thought that was a thing we shared together and it meant a lot to both of us. And uh, no. now I'm sad. And and it's like so it's like you gotta you gotta look out for that early. Yeah. You know, and I think we've we've always we've skirted around that. I think we both have some like codependency things. Oh, and yeah. I think we're fortunate that neither one of us skews too much one way or the other. Yeah. Because I think we kind of noticed it in the realm of like, oh, we're both a little bit dependent on each other. Mm-hmm. And, and so we were mutually able to kind of disentangle that yeah. a little bit. But if so. it's extremes, it can be really difficult. Okay, that's one. Okay, that's, that's one. Fine. Oh, my gosh. Look, there okay. are so many. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so this one, uh, when one partner says they're seeking your services to help them determine if they want to stay together... And if the other partner says they're seeking your service to make it so they do stay together. And I found this one fascinating totally. right out of the bat. Yeah. Right off uh, the bat? Right off the bat. Sure. Out of the bat. <laughs> out of the gate. Yeah. Out of the gate, off the bat. And then off the bat. <laughs> uh, yeah. So going to therapy, which congratulations for going to therapy. First of all, step one. In the first place. If you have different reasons for going, that's okay too. Yeah. 
that's what the therapist is there is to help you figure out what you mm-hmm. want. But it is interesting. We've been in that position and we've talked about it here before of uh, going into therapy looking for different outcomes, I would say. Oh, yeah. I felt like we were going to therapy so that I could get him to understand why this wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And I needed the therapist's help with that. And Nate was going because he was determined to make it work. And I don't think I had had that determination to make it work. It felt a little more like I was going to end it. Yeah. And thank God I didn't. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And so we had to navigate that. Yeah. And it was a, and it was a little surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that when that came to, to my attention, because there was this little bit of like, oh, like, what are we doing this for then? And then it, it really became, at that point, a, a time to turn inward you know, and, and kind of think about, well, however this plays out, I'm going to either fig, a, figure out with you why this went wrong is unsalvageable mm-hmm. or in doing that, get to a point where we can actually decide it is. Yeah. And I had to let go of that feeling of like, we're doing this to save our marriage and approach it more of like, we have to excavate our marriage and say, is this worth saving. Yeah. You know. I feel like we we came out in the end having saved ourselves. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> as people and then therefore our we, marriage. Yeah. But what I love about this that this anonymous therapist, couples <laughs> therapist said is um you know, when two when two people come in with different intentions for therapy, they say then it's about highlighting the points and allowing the person who is on the fence to decide what they want since the other person knows. Right. And I very much feel like she did that yeah. with us and allowed the space for me to figure it out and encourage you to allow me the space to yeah. figure it out. And I came around to, yeah. I want to do this. Yeah. And uh, and so that was really great. Mm-hmm. Number three, Ooh. control to an excessive amount. And he, they give an example of um, partners who have to send pictures to their partner holding up a certain number of fingers to prove that it's a live picture. Yeah. And they say explicitly, this is abuse. I don't know that I really he- had heard of that. No, but like like before. ways to confirm that someone is... There and I've like heard Ugh. different examples of that, like yeah. sending your partner like a simple math problem. I mean, like send me a picture of you holding the solution. Wow! Like just like crazy stuff. Yeah. And like you know, and that that level of control, I mean, is a red flag beyond just like oh, our marriage is we're having a tough time. Like yeah. that's that is emotional abuse. Yes, like, and if it's gone that simple, far, it's. It's possible and even likely it will continue to get worse. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a giant red flag um, just in general. Yeah. Um, Oh. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely felt that that I was sometimes that controlling presence of like, well, where are you? You you know, text me. I didn't hear from you. You know, things like that. Sort of like the checking in. The checking in a lot. The, 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 the. You know the the grill, the not the grill, the grilling, like the yeah. the ninth degree. You know, like yeah. kind of, you know, light in the face. <laughs> Where were you on the night of the twenty sixth? Yeah. You know, who did you talk to? Who was there? See, yeah, see the old like old smelling time. the collar and you know <laughs> mm, just yeah. Oh god, it's <laughs> awful. And so yeah, I can't imagine that degree. Yeah. So if you know. You find that you sit down to dinner, and before you t- have dinner, you're um, asked if you would take a polygraph. You know, <laughs> it might be abuse. It might be. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, this one is fascinating. Yeah. Um, so the way this this uh, um, therapist described this is looking for something called meta conversation, which is, you know, basically there's always two levels of communication. When I talk to somebody, I'm giving them the direct communication of my words. And then the other level of the, of communication, communication is non-verbal. 
And when we become more focused on the nonverbal part of communication, it can lead to pro- like really big problems in communication. So a simple example of this would be, you ask me to do the dishes and that's the, that's the ask, right? That's the bid. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that you are requesting. But the part where we get hung up is not on whether or not I do the dishes. It's the, the underlying communication that you're trying to say, I want you to do these things without me asking, mm-hmm. you know, that's a different level of communication. Sure. Right. And when couples get really involved in that underlying part, you know, and get really, uh, and it can become very, it can become like a power struggle. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the behavior and intention surrounding the initial communication. Right. Including the intention with which it's said mm-hmm. and also the reaction to yes. the thing. And when the argument becomes about the communication of mm-hmm. the request, it gets really bogged down and uh, and it can escalate and it doesn't become about the dishes at all. Right. This feels very common. Yes. And I think sneaky. Yeah. Because it feels like, you know, it feels like you're having a conversation about what's really going on underneath the surface. And, you know, we talk about stuff like that all the time. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you're just being asked to do this thing. Yeah. And that's all it is. That's it. And 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 I think we tend to load up a lot of meaning. Yeah. And we take on a lot of meaning. We take on a lot of assumption. Like... And that can be based on your history. That can be based on past conversations, your own baggage, their baggage. But we all do this. You hear a simple statement that if you just read it on a piece of paper, doesn't seem like a big deal. Mm-hmm. But you're taking their body language, their tone, their their gaze, their how connected they are to you and their response. Mm-hmm. And you're loading all of that up. Yeah. And, and using that as the basis of whether those words... Um, what, what you were expecting to happen, happen. Yeah. And like totally guilty of this all, all the, time. the time. All the time. Yeah. And not always, not always negatively. I think, you know, we, we have to manage, I, I know I personally have to like manage my tone consistently and I have to like watch my responses and be thoughtful about those. But I can see how it can, sometimes it, a, a dish is just a dish. Right. And that's all it is. Right. And we don't have to have an hour-long conversation about it. Yeah. yeah. It's just a banana. It's not a smoothie. Right. It's just a banana. Take smoothie. it out don't of the blender. Don't put it in the blender, everyone. Just take it out that blender. It's very hard to unblend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another one, couples in a tit-for-tat arrangement. So the example they gave <laughs> is, I cheated, so you can have one night to cheat with whomever. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. That's probably not going to work out well for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, even know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else. To, have we been in that situation? Not really. No. No. Yeah. You know, I, I think not with any, I think if anything, not with anything major, not you know, yeah. like, oh, you came, I came home wasted last night. So now you can go out and get wasted. You know, like I did a couple bumps of Coke. You can do some heroin. Like nothing crazy <laughs> like that. To be clear, I have not done any bumps of Coke or anything else. We'll just leave it up to everybody's imagination whether I am a heroin addict or not. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think, I mean, that seems, it seems like an obvious one, but I, I guess I could see how it. You know how it could happen. Yeah, things aren't going well, well generally. And I, and I think <laughs> that seems like a sort of I don't like a like a like a last ditch attempt, mm-hmm. right? Like I have screwed up so bad, and I'm very and you're very upset with me. So you you just do do the do, do the, the bad thing, thing and and because yeah. I'm giving you permission to do the bad thing that I just shouldn't have done, then they'll cancel each other out. That's not yeah. a good way. To handle it, to right? solve your problems. Yeah, like you're just compounding it with yeah. other problems yeah. at that point. I yeah. feel like, yeah, and 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 then everybody's hurt. Yeah, that yeah. feels like a very like um, I don't know, like macho cowboy movie sort of thing. Like you, you punched me in the eye back in the olden times, and 
take a swing at me if you want. And then they do. And then they have a beer and it's all fine. Oh, and they yeah. sit there with their two black eyes like, yeah, we're dumb. Because <laughs> that's what, that's, there's a very, there's a very, like, that's a, 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 a visual that like you see play out in film and TV all yeah. the time. You yeah. Know, we have to have justice. So does that feel like a, a ma- very masculine? It feels very masculine. Thing? You know, yeah. they say, you know, uh, um, an eye for an eye, you know, a punch for a punch, yeah. you know. Shiner for a shiner. I don't know. It's all dumb is what it is. (laughs) Just be like, I screwed up. I shouldn't have hit you. What reconciliation can I make that doesn't involve you doing the bad thing to me? To be clear, we're not talking about hitting each other, your spouse. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, Okay. (laughs) The next one is... uh, Number six, when I see a couple in which one or both of the members are seeking to change something fundamental about the other person. Yeah. Yeah, that's really I mean, I feel like that's one of those things that gets said all the time. Like, you can't change them. And why would you want to? That's why you're marrying them. Yeah. You're not marrying them to change them. Look, there's always (laughs) going to be stuff about other people you don't like. There's not a single person in the dang world, Mm -hmm. even if they're exactly like you, that you wouldn't change something about. If you could, that's not the point. The point is to accept them for who they are and help them become the best version of themselves that they want to be. And hope that in, you know, and also make sure that they're respectful to you and, um, and all of those things. But yeah, you know, there's this old cliche of like, wives trying to train or change their right. husbands it's not it's that's so basic <laughs> and wrong mm-hmm. um and it's hard though because there were definitely times where i was like i wish he was just clean <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's it you have to approach that in a different way it's like right. i i appreciate it when you are tidy and clean and prompt about it because it shows that you respect me and our home and then that is is different and that you know is a is a thing that's actionable that it makes our relationship better but it's not me trying to change him right it's like i'm never going to be clean but i can always be more mindful about how clean i am being Sure. Presently, right? It, yeah. It's and it's a it's a shift in the way of way of thinking about it. Yeah, you know, uh, and part of that I think comes from that idea of of like there there that's like a very gendered thing, and I think that this is one of those places where we can get really stuck in gender roles, right? Mm-hmm. Like men are like this, mm-hmm. and so. It is woman's job to domesticate them so that they're able to be in the presence of others. And, you know, and that's all very, like, ridiculous and feels demeaning and feels absurd, you know. And and the same is true in the other direction. Like, those same absurdities exist. um, And they exist for a reason. Like, those are stereotypes for a reason. Mm -hmm. But how we manage those, um, I think we, we... where we should be way past the sort of fifties, yeah, way that we deal with you know oh, this this oh, idiot man. husband of of mine doesn't know where this fort goes and where that does and like all that nonsense. Yeah, and this is you a know. thing that I have to work on too. Is like give your partner the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. when when in doubt, you know think think the best in terms of the outcome Mm -hmm. that it's going to be positive. You can ask for what you need uh, and, and what would help make you feel seen and respected and appreciated and loved and then expect the best. Right. Um, It's a, it's a thing definitely that requires mindfulness. Right. And then it doesn't become an issue of character. Right. You know, which, which is always, you're always headed toward defensiveness when it becomes an issue of character. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, this one. Oh, this is, um, yeah. We're staying together for the kids. We don't have kids, but I mean, yeah. it's such a saying. I mean, it's a Blink-182 song, for goodness sake. Yeah, I don't remember it. <laughs> but somebody does. <laughs> but but it, it, it's that, that, that idea of 
staying together as if you're going to save your children by being in an unhappy marriage and yeah, being miserable smart. around each other. They know. They can yeah. see. I am so glad, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, that my mm-hmm. parents got divorced and remarried. I think I would have been so miserable knowing as a kid that they were miserable. Right. Uh, and, you know, you can't hide it well enough. Kids right. just know. And what's more damaging? Right. Right? I mean, is it more damaging for a young person to grow up watching the, the two people that literally made them, they are literally representative of you, the two halves that make your whole, and the two halves are at each other's at odds with throat, each other. at odds. That, oh. that has to be so so damaging to one's sense of self, yeah. you know? So it, I, it would be probably much better for a, a child to have a clear sense of each parent independent of each other mm-hmm. um, so that they can appreciate both and also see a good model of, of relationships and, and not have to see that conflict because they will repeat those things. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's what they see, they will repeat them, you know, that's, and that's a hard habit to break. Yeah. You know, um, I want to just sort of breeze through the next couple okay. because I feel like we spoke about these a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight is about, uh, retaliatory <laughs> cheating, yeah. uh, and, and then telling the partner about it. That feels a little bit like the tit for tat one yeah. where like, you did something to hurt me, so I'm going to do something to hurt Just, you. I mean, I think in general, retaliation, no yeah. good. If you're yeah. doing something to literally retaliate for the thing that happened previously, you're you're that's just going to devolve into a petty nightmare. Yeah, and it's total destruction. Yeah, right. I mean, you're just, at that point, yeah. what are you even in it for? Yeah. Um, the times I've skirted in that territory, I'm like, it's never good. Yeah. Never good. Like, oh, it happens, and you're like, well, that was not, that was a terrible idea. I should have done that. Bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this this next one, number nine, is people who approach therapy with the idea that they must convince the therapist that they're right and the partner is wrong. Oh, man. I, I did that, and I learned very quickly <laughs> that uh, that wasn't going to happen. My therapist wasn't going to take that bait. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't uh, push it because they were right. It's like, oh, no, this is about hearing each other. <laughs> it was surprising. <laughs> I mean, because there there was a part of me that went in expecting to hear all the reasons I was wrong. Yeah. You know, and I was fully prepared for that. I'd be like, well, this is going to oh. be like start the timer. This is going to be one hour of bashing Nate for, okay, here we go. And she was like, what do you think? And I was like, oh, you want to know what I Oh, excuse me. I wasn't <laughs> like it was. It was so. Yeah. It was very strange, and yeah. it's very. Uh, but helpful. Oh gosh. Oh, yeah. Gosh. It was very much about helping us to hear each other. Yeah. It's not really about what the therapist yeah. thinks yeah. at all, uh, and uh, and they can't side with one or the other. Yeah. I mean, they're not that they can't. I don't know what they can and can't do, but <laughs> likely they won't. Yeah. Um, unless it's a dangerous situation. I mean, they're like calling balls and strikes, right? They're, they're like, that was out of line. And this is this is like where we should be. Yeah. And always turning it back on you. Yeah. Remember the first session we went to, I was like, when is she going to tell us what to do? Like, <laughs> is she going to be like, shouldn't she be like, complete these three workbook pages and then have sex twice and have a meaningful conversation. And, and then you'll be good to go. You'll be good to go for until next week. And yeah. no, it was like, here's be miserable for an hour and then be miserable for the rest of the week. As you talk about how that was miserable. Yeah. And then a month or so in, we were like, Oh, okay. Oh, this, I get this. A okay. More now. I'm getting the hang of this. Yeah. And we're communicating differently. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's about. <laughs> and you're like, she didn't do anything. She never told us what to do once. <laughs> there was no homework. No homework. I like that. I like that. But you were ready, though. I was you ready. Were like, what are what are my tasks? What are my tasks? I need <laughs> checklists. I need an order of operations. I was like, I hate that stuff, and I'm so glad there isn't any. Um, uh, number ten, uh, big red flag. Oh, oh this one makes my heart hurt. Yeah, is is when a couple has just completely forgotten the good. Right. So part of relationship therapy is reconnecting a couple with what they like about each other mm-hmm. and what initially attracted them to each other 
and the positive stuff. And if they come in and they've just been unhappy for so long, they don't remember yeah. that feeling, then it's a pretty bad, yeah, bad time. Yeah. And like there's a later example, just asking how you met. And if a therapist gets, you know, we met at a bar and that's there's a the party. There's no there's glint no of happiness. There's no yeah. smile. There's no little wink and a nudge. Like, yeah, you remember that party. None of that. Just we met yeah. at a bar. Like, ooh. Oof. Yeah. It's tough. You know, yeah. I, and I, I, I remember thinking about when things were at their worst. You know, if somebody asked us how we met, we would both, like, we know that story. We'd reminisce fondly. We, yeah. And, and, and even if things were bad. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was one of those things that helped us take the impetus to go to therapy because here we were having all of these good, like all these good things have happened to us. And yet here we are. Yeah. And how can we tap into that again? You know, but if the, if that had been not true, if we'd been like, do you remember that time when we did this? And you're like, no. I'm like, I guess. Oh. oh. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge Hard. red flag. Yeah, yeah. Um, contempt. That's number eleven. Yeah, that's you know one of the four horsemen of relationship apocalypse. So you it's, know, don't yeah. contempt is not good. <laughs> Generally, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, <clears throat> um, and the, the therapist says look towards a peaceful ending at that point if possible. <laughs> Because you're just not, oh, um, yeah. The, yeah. There's too much. Uh, Con- it's hard to undo contempt. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Number twelve. Uh, it's it's easy to work out. This therapist says it's easy to work out when one person knowingly prioritizes their own wants and needs over their partner's. Relationships like this are often doomed because the person simply doesn't care enough to make any meaningful change. I've been there. Not in our relationship, thank God. But I've been there. And it took me like another year and a half to get out of yeah. it. <laughs> well, I think that's that's one of those things. Like I think about that, and I'm like, I could tip in that direction. Mm. You know, I haven't. Yeah. You know, um, have enough awareness. To, but if, I feel like if I really went there, if I was like, I'm just going to really just not care about and only do do what I want. Yeah. I could tip into that. You're stubborn easily, for sure. You know, I, and. I realize that about myself mm. that it's like, I have to be careful about not just running with things. I get excited. Mm-hmm. I get really into things. I get really hyper-focused about things. And it's really easy for me to like breeze through decisions without yeah. conferring or talking or discussing. And, you know, I'm better at that. But I know that that's one of those things. Like I have to like want to be on the lookout for mm-hmm. because I can be a little controlling and opinionated. And well, yeah. and you just kind of do you do, do you. my own thing. And and there's something very admirable about that. I wish I could do more of that. Um, but there are times where it's like you definitely have to consider your partner yeah. and their needs. Yeah, because you are in a partnership, right? Uh, number 13 is about boundary violations. Ooh. And we touched on this before, but I love this. And I think um, this can happen a lot in early relationships. Mm-hmm. It happened to me all the time when I was young of like, I had a routine on my own. I liked it. Uh, but I just threw all of it out the window the second I moved in with my boyfriend. Uh-huh. Um, and suddenly their routine was my routine. Mm-hmm. And what they recommend is... Um, what they say is testing boundaries is a little bit is okay, mm-hmm. but repeatedly violating boundaries is a big red flag. So, um, for example, if your routine is you go to bed at 9 p.m. and wake up to work out at 5 a.m., keep doing that. Yeah. And your partner, if they're a decent person, will respect that. <laughs> they won't, you know, insist that you stay up all night with them watching TV or talking all night or sleeping in when you want to get up to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard because I've, A, been very malleable mm-hmm. in the past. And this includes with with our, our current relationship. Yeah. Um, and not insistent enough that I keep my boundaries, but also I've been persuaded, mm-hmm. you know, there's been a, a degree of what feels like manipulation and persuasion to go with their idea of what 
you know, the the ideal routine yeah. is. And I think when couples get together after, you know, living many years of their life mm-hmm. and knowing what they need and knowing what their limits are, it's a lot easier, yeah. I would think, right? Yeah. And then I, if you get together early and you're not set in your ways yeah. as much. I, well, and I think we had, we struggled because I think we had so much upheaval in the beginning yeah. because we had different environments. So like when we were in Vegas and we were both there, we had a certain rhythm, a certain way that things flowed. And then you would go out of town and you'd set up your own system, your own schedule, your own way of doing things. And then I would like come rolling in. Yeah. Two months into your contract and join you for six weeks and like your whole system would fall apart. Yeah. And it was just, it it took a long time to really like unwind some of that. And be like, you, you know, know what? I want to get up and go for a run even when we're together. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to stay in bed. Yeah. I want to get up and do my thing. Right. And that's still hard. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's important. Yeah. And it's important if you're the partner to respect that. Right. And to, and to really, and communicate them clearly to each other. You know, what? What do I need to do and when am I going to do it? And, you know, those things. Um, we'll skip number 14 because, yeah, if you're yeah, if you're screaming, if you're screaming uh, I'm not fucking yelling at you, you probably have a communication problem. Yeah. So that's a good one. That's number 14. Straightforward. <laughs> uh, number 15, active independence Ooh. from each other is a number one sign that the marriage is about to spiral downward or yeah. the relationship. And so this is like big things, right? Yeah. Okay. If you're applying for a line of credit. You're... Planning a trip overseas and not involving your partner in that decision. You buy a car (laughs) or a horse (laughs) without consulting them. Right. One time I adopted a dog when we were uh, newly engaged. (laughs) And I learned uh, shortly after that 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 probably wasn't the best thing for the relationship. Without fully consulting him first. Yeah. We talked about it. I thought you were on board. And then I went for it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. don't do that. Uh, oh, when one spouse has a close relationship with a member of the opposite sex who doesn't like the other spouse. And I think that's Okay, I'm confused important. by the word other, but essentially is if I had a friend, uh-huh. a close friend of the opposite sex or whatever gender or person I'm interested in, uh, of my type, and they didn't like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, because it's like, even if that doesn't lead to cheating, that's that's like a division. Yeah, you know, and that has that has a, a lot of potential. Especially, you know, it, it's t- it's one thing to have like friends who you've been friends with a long time that can tell it to you straight, you know, mm-hmm. and like give you a bit of that unbiased view. But yeah, to like make a new friend who's then like, I don't like your spouse. That's tough. That's yeah. really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, the this one therapist says <sighs> when one of the partners has an objection to meeting with doing individual Yes, sessions. this is fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, typically a marriage counselor or therapist will meet with you together and then do a separate session with each of you individually to get a sense of kind of where you're coming from before resuming with the in-person. And so if your partner is like, I don't, well, I don't want to do that. That is like a red flag that there's a lot, there's some control issues. Like they're worried what their partner is going to say alone with this therapist. Yeah. You know, and and to be totally clear, it's scary. Yeah. Like that's a scary moment, right? Totally. Yeah. And what it's are they uncomfortable. Say about me? Like, Gosh, they're saying all the bad things I've ever done, and I'm not there to defend myself. Right. You want to be there to right. help sort of guide the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they need you to not be around so that you can't guide the narrative. Yeah. And they also need to do that to make sure that both partners are safe. Yeah. And sometimes you have to get people alone mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. Um, so that's that's wise. Yeah. I'm going to skip a little bit um, for the sake of time, but I think this one's really interesting. Number 20, constant <laughs> needless escalation. So uh, when I don't think we need this expensive thing is escalated to you don't really love me. Uh, that's a big problem. Yeah. Um, and it goes along with the, I guess, one of the early ones we talked about about communicating one thing and it becoming an argument about 
everything surrounding it. Yeah. That you can't just isolate this one, um, mm-hmm. this one piece of communication and it just escalates to the most uh, dramatic and high stakes. Yeah. Well, and it's like a way of hijacking that conversation because you're forcing the person to respond to your feelings as opposed to the concern. Yes. You know, and that's a sneak, that's a sneaky, it's a sneaky one. And I'm, I've been very, very guilty of that. I I don't, I do it less now, but I really, really did it in past relationships, like big time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and not intentionally, but it, you know, it felt like it was about my feelings and not about the thing, you know, and And I had a hard time separating. Yeah. Like, and it could be something that's like, you know, it's, this is just one more indicator of how you don't respect me. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to, you know, push back against. And And suddenly you're dealing with this statement that's been laid out in front of you. And that's like a bomb. Right. You you have to deal with it. You have to diffuse that. And suddenly you've forgotten what even what the issue was, what was actually the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's a form of deflection for sure. And defensiveness. Yeah. Uh, Refer to the four horsemen of fighting Mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a it's a defensiveness tactic, right? Yeah. You've asked me not to buy something expensive. Well, you don't really care about me, and I never get to you know right. do what I want. Right? <laughs> don't love me anymore. Yeah, it's just it's it's really hard to untangle that. Yeah. Okay, so the, this one, um, the therapist says, in my experience, strong and healthy relationships are built on two very important qualities: trust and respect. Love is not included in these qualities because love is not a determiner of a strong or healthy relationship. And I think that is so wise. So important. I wish someone had told me that and I really understood it early, early on because I would not have stayed in some relationships Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because there was no trust and there was no respect. But I loved them. Right. And they said they loved me. So why isn't it working? And it was so confusing. Right. Um, but it's it's just not enough sometimes. Right. Yeah. In fact, it's never enough. And that love can be very genuine, and it can yeah. be passionate, and it can be real, and it can be a hundred percent. You could be, you could love each other more than anyone else you've ever been with. But if you don't have that trust and respect as the cornerstone that you're like building around, it's it, you're you're built on you know on sand, like it's going to fall apart. You can't sustain that. Yeah. Because what ends up happening is you can't demonstrate that love and feeling love is great. Everyone loves the feet, like loves feeling love, Right. but even better than feeling love is receiving love. Yeah. And you cannot demonstrate that for your partner. If you don't have trust and respect, you just can't, you can't do it. Yeah. Because what does it even mean? If my partner who treats me terribly all the time says they love me, mm-hmm. what good is that? Mm-hmm. It's that's you're you're breaking me down, and yeah. and is that really love? I don't know. Yeah. Um. So that yeah, that was interesting. Um. They go on to talk about the dysfunctional relationships are very possible among people who mm-hmm. say they love each other, and if there's no trust or respect in the relationship then they try to you know set goals and and find ways to mm-hmm. build those things back yeah. up and if they can't then it's probably not yeah uh, not not gonna work out mm-hmm. um so that number 24 just builds on that talks about respect um respecting uh space boundaries feelings interests um and all of that's really important. And so lack of respect by either person for the other is going to mean really big problems. Yeah. And that's kind of encompassing a lot of the stuff we've talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, boundaries is one and, and interests and things like that. Next. So when a spouse is more allied with their parents and calls them on speakerphone for fights, or when a spouse often speaks ill of their partner to their parents... They, these couples are usually unhappily married for years. Yeah. And that's... You know, it's a hard thing transitioning from being someone's child... Right. ...to being an adult in your own right. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so that alone is an odd transition, I think, for the child and then maybe even harder for the parent yeah. of that child yeah. to then see your kid as an adult making their own choices, particularly when they then become, you know, a partner in yeah. a relationship of their own. Yeah. And, and that, now, yeah. Yeah. And now they're not making choices on their own. They're making now choices as part of a unit that yeah. is different than the child. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And, well, and that unit becomes the primary right. unit now. Your child and their partner have to prioritize that yeah. unit over any kind of partnership yeah. between parent and child. And, and that's, I think, I mean, I, I'm i not a parent of an adult child, uh, so I don't know, but I imagine it's, it's a hard thing to mm-hmm. adjust to. Yeah. Well, you think about it. As a child, you are you grow up this way, right? You see that there's this dichotomy. Like you see your parents as a unit, and you understand and you communicate with your parents as a unit. And, and, yeah. and you see that that is what they primarily are. But then you have these relationships with them as individuals. But that is always connected back to the fact that they're a unit. Right. That, and that's interesting because yeah. you grew up in a sort of nuclear right. family like that. Yeah. And I could sort of see how that was the case with me, but different. But different for But the my other, upbringing. the reverse is not true. When it's your child, you have to learn that because yeah. they've been however long 18 years, 20 years, 26 years, 30 years, they've been your kid. And that's the only way you have to view them. But now you have to view them individually, but now shift that to, to them being part of a unit. And that's the new primary thing. Yeah. And that's that's hard. I, yeah. I've never heard that explained, but I can't imagine yeah. how hard that has to be. Well, and, you know, like when we first got together, there were a couple things, mm-hmm. you know, where we still, we have great relationships with our parents. Mm-hmm. And that was a primary relationship. Still is for us. Um, yeah. You know, we are still very close with our parents. Um, but there were certain things where we had to adjust, like, no, you're the person I'm telling this news to first. Right. And then and then we'll tell our families. Right. Um, because it feels really disrespectful right. if some big life event that affects me because mm-hmm. we're engaged or whatever yeah. uh, is, you know, I'm not the first person that's told about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had... You know, we've had some experience navigating that. I think it's a natural thing. Yeah. And it's interesting. It was that was something I felt like we had to navigate. That wasn't necessarily anything our parents were doing. Yeah. You know, that was something we did. We continued to have these relationships with our parents that we always had. And we collectively together had to navigate how to reframe that. Yeah. Like how do we talk to how do I talk to my parents alone about something important? But making sure that always you are there, even if you're not really there, that you're there with me as part of that conversation, that I'm considering the needs of us both, Yeah. even though it's a conversation with just my parents. It's so important to feel like you're on each other's side, (laughs) that you're on the same team. Mm -hmm. And that goes with this other red flag we talked about with being befriending someone who doesn't like your spouse. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't really feel like you're on the side of your spouse, does it, when you stay friends with that person? Right. And if that person was a good friend, they would they would try to like your spouse or just leave you alone, you know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, you have to set those boundaries with your friends. You have to set those boundaries with your parents. And, yeah. uh, and if they love you and respect you, then that will stay a very healthy and wonderful relationship. Um, but it's an adjustment for sure. Yeah. Number 26, what about ism? <laughs> Instead of taking ownership and responsibility for their contribution to the degradation of the relationship, one or both parties will simply point out an example of the other exhibiting a similar behavior. It's a red flag because it illustrates the lack of self-awareness and poor communication skills. Yeah. So if your relationship sounds like a session of the Senate, <sighs> that's a red flag. <laughs> that's a red flag. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Don't, uh... Yeah. If you yeah. argue about the filibuster all the time, you Oof. should probably, you know, go... Call it quits. You need some... <laughs> you need some help. Drop it. Start over. 
Oh, man. But that's, you know, I, I think a lot of people are guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you just accuse me of something I don't want to deal with or take responsibility for that. So I'm going to find a time where you did something similar yeah. and be like, yeah. well, you did this. Yeah. Well, and it's it's so unfair because it's just that sense of taking criticism and expecting perfection at the other end of criticism. Like, I can't receive criticism from anyone who isn't perfect. Right. And if you're not perfect, then I don't have to hear you. Well, that's just nonsense because nobody's freaking perfect. Yeah. You included, and you know that. And so the whole idea of of whataboutism is just so antithetical to actual (laughs) communication. Yeah. Because, duh. Yeah. Like, half the reason we get pissed off about things is because we also know that we do them as well. Yeah. Like sure. we we know these feelings. Unless you're just like a psychopath, <sighs> you know, you understand how your actions affect others and you understand the feeling when those same things have been done to you. Yeah. You know, and sociopath, really. Well, we could well, let's not get into semantics. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that's, it's another tactic for mm-hmm. defensiveness Yeah, that, that, uh, horseman, yeah. the apocalyptic fighting horseman yeah. defensiveness. Yeah. Here's a fun one. Mm. <laughs> Number 27 <laughs> quote, I'm not a therapist, but my therapist straight face told me that quote, there are worse options than divorce. Right. <laughs> and amen to that. That's, that's the red flag. I mean, if a therapist therapist is like, you you know, you know, could be worse. (laughs) It could be worse. You can Um, still be together. Well, and that's the thing. (laughs) Here we are. We're a relationship podcast. We're talking about all the ways that you can work through your relationship so Mm -hmm. it can be, you know, more enriching and satisfying and all of those things in the end, on the other end. However, there are some things that are just not worth it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, that includes abusive relationships mm-hmm. in all forms, verbally, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally. Um, and and it, it comes, there comes a time when you know in your heart, in your soul, that this is not right and you deserve better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, that's, it's a, it's a hard call to make. I have not been in a an extremely abusive relationship it felt verbally and emotionally abusive mm-hmm. and it took me a really long time to say enough is enough this isn't worth it and i've said this before one of the best pieces of advice my mom gave was when it's time you'll know mm-hmm. and uh thankfully i was strong enough to just go yeah nope this is done now. Yeah. But, you know, that's what therapists are for mm-hmm. is to help help with that. And and it's not just to ensure that you stay together no matter what. Yeah. It's to help you find what's best for you. Yeah. And if that's divorce, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this seems obvious. <laughs> Number 28. In premarital counseling, when the couple states they're saving themselves for the wedding night and then... One or both confides privately that they are not a virgin, and the other has oh my no God. idea. I, I, ha- I have to say, I like love this one <laughs> because I just, I just cracked me up. I love the idea of like these two non-virgin virgins pretending to be so terrible at sex at the beginning when they could be rock stars from the they from the could whole be time. really like cranking it out, cranking right it out. Why time's a wasting? Let's get to it. And I just, I don't know. This just cracks me up so much. It shouldn't because that's terrible, and well, you shouldn't do that. If one of you is waiting and the other isn't, I don't know. That feels like. A recipe for infidelity in the meantime. In the it? in the meantime, maybe, but like I think more than anything, just you know, just communicate. Like I mm-hmm. I just don't understand like why other than a sense of like what what I what I feel like the I'm trying to think of like what would motivate me to do that. Uh-huh. And the only thing I can think of is like to spare that person's feelings. Uh-huh, sure. Right. Or and like that's not gonna work. 
No, because they'll find out eventually. They're going to find out. And then it's going to be so much worse. And also, how little do you have to respect that person to think they can't handle it? Like, you know, if they can't handle it, that's another red flag. Like, I'd rather find out early that the person I'm going to marry can't accept that I had sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. I'd rather know that now than later, right? And if I really can't handle that... That's too bad, and the, and the reverse is opposite. If someone can't respect the fact that you want to wait, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if and you don't want them lying to you about it because they feel they have to spare your feelings, like you can't handle the truth. Yeah, you know, we're not we're not adolescent children. Like this isn't middle school. Yeah, it's a bad way to start. Yeah, that's shaky. <laughs> right <laughs> out it the just bat. cracks me up. <laughs> I just have this whole like comedy version of my mind of them like pretending to fumble with condoms and be like whoa it's oh, yeah. whoa it's, where do i put it do i put it over here like no that's the dresser I like do like i put it in- early 2000s yeah like like rom-com yeah right to, it sounds like two that pe- never got made two people who say they've never had sex but definitely have had a lot pretend that they've never had sex and hilarity ensues yep. and for 90 that, minutes that funny friend who works at the video store yeah <laughs> Were there video stores in the early aughts? Maybe. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and that's the friend they get advice from who's yeah. never had sex, but Correct. says he's had tons. Because he's watched a lot of movies yeah. about it. We should totally we should make this movie. We should. Why have we not done this already? Seth Rogen, where are you? We need We've your had a help. whole pandemic to, to do this. <laughs> uh we're just slackers, is what we are. Oh my gosh. Well, and this is the problem, right? That I have with Every rom-com ever, just about, is this lack of communication. <laughs> Nate just took a really slurpy sip. It was at the bottom. I thought I had more. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't let me interrupt. Um, yeah, this lack of communication and romanticizing that cute misunderstanding when the truth is finally revealed it's happily ever after and it's just total nonsense it's like why don't you just tell her now that wasn't you <laughs> i don't know that's my favorite when the when the person gets caught in the compromising situation but they're the perfectly innocent and they don't explain themselves. and the person storms out in anger and you're like oh well you see what happened was this right clearly you should watch the movie <laughs> Let me rewind it. A little Let me, bit. You should see my whole backstory. I was doing, I did 10 noble things before this happened. I'm so sorry. Oh. It was unfortunate. It was bad timing all around. Yeah, How there, did the blow dodge blow up? What? Blow, how did the blow up doll even get in that suitcase? You know, it's, it's silly. I, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And then they don't speak for like two weeks. Yeah. And, oh, it's <sighs> just miserable. And, and we should stop romanticizing that stuff wow. because it makes for a bad time you in better, real relationships. You better come up with a real romantic gesture to win that person back. Grand gesture. You definitely shouldn't just apologize or explain your case or meet up for coffee and lay it out. Nope. Nope. You should rent a biplane. And, and half the time, <laughs> the grand gesture is made and without any explanation as to what the misunderstanding was. That's also true. And then... All is forgiven, and you just sort of assume that it, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's all nonsense. Yeah. I'm on a tangent. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. Like, Red wait, flag. I thought you slept with three people, but you just dropped 100,000 roses out of this biplane across the romantic East River, creating must, a rainfall of roses, rose petals, and I forgive you. You must love me the most. Now I, you really, you nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, red flag. If you're if you're expecting your life to be a romantic comedy, relationships are not probably going to work out. Or for if you. your partner acts like they're in one, that's also yes, a red flag. That that, that you're going to respond you know, to that because oh my god, that we should do a crazy. whole episode on that Valentine's Be- Day. Yeah. Oh, rom coms. Ooh. Okay. Oh yeah. So here's the final one, oh. uh, number twenty nine invalidation Mm -hmm. this comes in many forms from gaslighting woof to just simple denial of another's opinion most of the time one or both parties are simply trying to be heard on an emotional level 
uh, within a vendor topic that was brought up, but the other party takes this as a personal attack on their ideals. And that's hard. We've kind of discussed this a little bit when the argument becomes about the thing surrounding um, the ask or the communication uh, that's trying to be made. But it's, uh, yeah, it's tough when it feels like your character is being attacked. Yeah. And it's, I think it's tough to understand both things. It's tough to understand when you're being gaslit. It's hard to recognize it in the moment. It's also hard to recognize in the moment when you're doing it to somebody. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's a more recent sort of term, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of come about. And I think the conversation, I think it's, it's similar to like microaggressions. I think it's something that takes a really long time to really like make sense of, to understand. You have to like really read about it and see examples of it yeah. before you can capture it. Yeah. And it and the whole point of it is that it's hard to pinpoint. It's yeah. hard to be like, that was it. Yes. That was you gaslighting me. It was. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. And so often if it's happened to me, I recognize it after the fact. Right. And it's too late to do anything about it in mm-hmm. the moment. Um, so it's it's something I'm working on is trying to recognize that not just for myself so I can deal with it in the moment, but also for others so I can yeah. try and stop it. Well, it, it's it. it's helpful, you know, because it's easy to do and it's easy to miss it. And it's always helpful when you call it out and yeah. say like, that was just gaslighting that you did. And I'm like, was it? Yeah. Oh, this this may have happened the other day maybe with us and i was actually (laughs) i was actually really proud of the fact that i recognized it and was able to say it but it was still hard yeah and and it's happened to me so often Mm -hmm. and not to say that like i'm such a victim of this but it's a it's it's very ingrained yeah in how we communicate with each other. I, yeah. I'm sure I've done it a lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my goal moving forward is, is to recognize that yeah. more. Yeah. Well, I think in relationships especially, it, 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 it manifests in a form of defensiveness. Yeah. Right? Because it, it, it it's like, well, I wasn't doing that. And I'm not trying to gaslight you. You're trying to, I'm like trying to make my case that that's my, that's not my intention, yeah. but it comes across as like, that's crazy. Why would you ever think that? Clearly I didn't do that. Clearly you, you must've misunderstood. Right. Right. Putting and, it back on. Exactly. And the like, other person. that's the hard thing when you're feeling defensive to defensive is to keep that in check mm-hmm. and be like, I hear that. I see how, what I said would make you feel that way. Here's what I actually meant. Yeah. And I'm sorry, and let me clarify, and then let's try to move forward. But it's it's hard to recognize in the moment. Yeah. I I think it was the epiphany I had about it was how it made me feel like I was wrong. Mm-hmm. When I knew deep down I was right. Or I not it's not and it's not just about being right or wrong. It's more that my expression or need was a valid one right and deserved to be heard and acknowledged and it wasn't mm-hmm. being heard and acknowledged and what came back to me was you're overreacting right this is not as important as you think it is uh why are you you know why are you so upset this right. is ridiculous and so i took that on i internalized that mm-hmm. i to the point where I then apologized a little bit later and then was still mad about it <laughs> and finally was like, you know what? Absolutely not. <laughs> that was not. I was apologizing with the intention of getting you to apologize to me because actually you were the one who should have been apologizing to me. And then I just feel like I gave my power away by apologizing to you and I take it back. This is this is what happened. This is what happened. Yeah. And I felt smaller and I felt mm-hmm. um you know unheard and unseen and and made to feel invalid. I was invalidated yeah. in that moment and it was a really actually gratifying thing to be able to recognize it and call it out. Yeah. Um in the moment. I wish I could do it more with people that weren't you. 
I mean, uh, you know, it's good practice. Me too. Because you will love me <laughs> no matter what, I hope. But, uh, well, uh, but you know, I, I want to be able to do it more yeah. in situations that feel scarier, like with coworkers or, yeah. um, you know, if I, if I see it happening yeah. to someone, I so, want to be able to stand up for them. So I think what I'm hearing you say is I should gaslight you more so you get lots of practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> You're being crazy. <laughs> um, so those were some of the many... We didn't get through all of, well, we got through most, most of, of them. them of these red flags. And some of them seem pretty obvious, but it's worth mentioning a lot of them. And then also mentioning, you know, where we've, we've been there. We've yeah. clearly uh, experienced a lot of these red flags, either in our relationship, in which case it did work out. Yeah. We dealt with them or in past relationships. And then it yeah. did. This is probably a bad time to tell you that I'm st- still a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Still, after it's okay, all this time. okay, because I just bought that car. Oh, no. So. <laughs> well, um, stay tuned to see and how on that, that goes. Note. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time. We'll catch you next time. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Bye. Thanks for listening to Twice is Less Not Perfect. Want to hear more about what it takes to have a messy marriage? Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And share us with your friends and family. You can follow us on all the socials. Find us on Facebook at Messy Marriage Podcast. And Instagram at A Messy Marriage Podcast. Have a question or an idea for an episode? Email us at lessnotperfect at gmail.com. And remember, when it comes to marriage, mess is more.